This is a moment in wine and hip hop, brought to you by Crew Love, blending wine and hip hop at the highest level. Wine and hip hop, wine and music. Yo! Yeah, what's good, y'all? It's your man Jermaine Showtime Stone, aka the Wolf of Wine, aka the Zara Vibes, aka Young Thanos. So I'm just out here collecting Infinity Stones. Very excited to be presenting another podcast for you. I'm still on the road. I'm actually just wrapping up our National Prosecco Week tour. Shout out to Prosecco DOC for holding us down and trusting us to communicate the amazing diversity of Prosecco and just, you know, jump out there across the U.S. and celebrate Prosecco. This week started with a sold-out event at 1010 Wine and Events in Inglewood. Shout to the entire team over there. If you have not been, I promise you need to. The vibes are amazing. My man DJ Miles P was on the one and twos. He be up in there. He killed it. And you know your boy did his thing. Wine and Hip Hop Trivia. Some dope new wine and hip hop pairings. There were definitely some wine and hip hop connoisseurs born that night, let me tell you. And last night, I just wrapped up Chicago. We did the damn thing at Bronzeville Winery. Shout to the entire team over there. And this Saturday, the 22nd, we wrapped things up at our secret location in NYC. Every event has been sold out. The upcoming event is sold out. Because the New York event sold out so quickly, I was actually considering doing an after party. So make sure y'all stay tuned on our IG at Wine and Hip Hop Show. I'm having a great time doing this. You know, like I said, I never got into this thing to do events, but I've had a great time seeing the entire U.S., seeing how different communities and different terroir respond to the entire wine and hip-hop movement, man. So shout out to L.A., shout out to Chicago. I'm excited to close things out in New York. And of course, shout to Prosecco DLC, definitely one of my favorite partners. We've been rocking with this content, man, and there's a lot more, a lot more happening. We're coming up on the actual 50th birthday of hip-hop, and I'm so excited. We are going to dedicate all of August to hip-hop. Got a few of my favorite artists on there. We're releasing things with a few of my favorite artists, joints with people that just really, really get and embody hip-hop. And I'm really going to dial into the educational aspect of the connections between wine and hip-hop. So y'all make sure y'all stay tuned next month that YouTube is going to be cracking, let me tell you. Now, today's episode is one that I've been particularly excited about for a while. This one is a long time coming. My brother is an OG in the game. You know, I started doing this whole wine media thing back in 2016. There were not a lot of people outside doing this, and there definitely was not a lot of people of color outside doing this. One brother that was out there is today's guest, my dog, Philippe Andre, private client director at Folio Wine Partners, a full service importer and marketing agency that manages collections all over the world from all different wine regions. My dog Philippe, he is Mr. Cigars and Champagne. 
But like I said, man, there are not a ton of people that were outside in this wine and media space back in 2016 when I started this. Philippe was one of those people. He was a guy that I met on IG and his personality is so electric that you just want to meet him. You know, this is someone that I really looked up to when I was getting my thing started and seeing how he was moving, embracing who he was and being comfortable in his own skin. It was one of the things that inspired me and let me know I was in the right direction to embrace who I was and do my thing in my way. You know, seeing my brother online doing his thing is just one of those things. You see people running with you, you just tap in. And we developed that mutual respect for one another and just been friends for a long time, man. So shout out to my dog, Philippe. I'm excited for y'all to get to know him. This guy is an absolutely amazing brother. I mean, I remember smoking some cigars up on the rooftop with him, and this dude completely changed my perspective on what paired with champagne. You know, he's an amazing sommelier. I didn't realize that champagne and cigars went together. You know, I usually smoke a little something different when I'm drinking, but, Philippe put me on to the magic of champagne and cigars. Not only that, my man's card game is crazy. He is the first sommelier to design a Ferrari. He like to race them toys, you know what I'm saying? He be outside with them toys, you know, with the big boys pushing them Ferraris, going on tours. And I love the way that he is blending wine with that. Now, it's not like they drink and drive. They drive and then drink. But Philippe is doing amazing things, being a pioneer in a space where one, there's just not too many people of color, but two, bringing fine wine into a space where it is not currently, but not just that, really being a part of that culture and helping the culture to grow overall. The Ferrari he just put together is sick. I never seen a Sam driving a Ferrari, number one, man. So that just lets you know he know how to get to the bag and just all around a great brother. So I'm excited for you guys to listen to this episode and get to know him. And I'm excited to get back outside. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, we are wrapping the National Prosecco Week tour. The next event I have scheduled is October 11th in Burgundy at Claude Vougeot. If you don't know what it is, look it up. If you know Burgundy, you know how insane this is. This place is usually known for doing wine and opera events. I am gonna be the first person to host a wine and hip hop event. It's gonna be silly. My man Mike D from the Beastie Boys is coming out. It's gonna be a lot happening. So October 11th is gonna be so October 11th, the tickets are going to be very, very accessible in price. You just got to get yourself to Burger. So stay tuned to the IG page for that. If you are not following us on IG, I don't know what you're doing at Wine and Hip Hop Show. Make sure you stay tapped in. And also, this just happened November 11th and 12th. I'm going to be appearing at the Honeyland Festival in Houston, Texas. It's an amazing food, music, and wine festival. You know, headlining, you got Mary J. Blige, Miguel, Jasmine Sullivan, my girl Chloe Bailey. It's a whole bunch of people up in there 
on the on the music side as far as eats we got marcus samuelson ghetto gastro bun b's trail burgers is going down crazy and then on the sips side my girl fawn Wee, where she put together an amazing amazing collection of people in the wine and spirit space you got the mcbride sisters you got drink champs you got your boy up in there my dog jackie summers and so much more november 11th and 12th houston texas at crown festival park in sugarland the honeyland fest it is going down crazy but we are not on tour yet and if you're not following that ig make sure you do that at wine and hip-hop show now without further ado let me introduce y'all to my dog Philippe Andre. how you doing Philippe? i'm good man thank yo you. thank you so much for having me now, yeah man, thank you dog <laughs> this is uh I cannot get over how far overdue this was. This should have been since like what, like maybe two eight, two thousand eighteen. Yeah, yeah. Two thousand seventeen, even like. <clears throat> but this shit goes way back, man. Like you've been, you've been a lit guy <laughs> for quite some time. So I don't want to do you the disservice of trying to paint you in a box of one thing that okay. that one one being that you are in wine. Like I think that we have a similar capability of wine where it's like people are like what exactly do you do <laughs> like it takes me a long time to explain what i do yeah. i feel like i can't yeah. quite you know uh, wear many uh, any other hat than this wine and hip-hop hat and it, ha it covers many spokes but you're also someone that covers many spokes you know you're as a sommelier yep you can do a lot Yep. Now, uh, can we go through and introduce the people to you? You know what I'm saying? Like we, I like to do that yes. by um, introducing my wine folks to my hip hop friends, right? Yes. Yes. And we do that by finding out who my my wine friends rap spirit person is. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> okay. like if you had to pick a spirit animal, oh, like a rapper that embodied your style and your spirit and your energy, mm. what rapper would that be? Uh, man, that's a tough one. Cause, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm very, uh, very proud of my heritage. Mm, mm. Uh, so, I just, I love how creative and diverse uh, and wild that my guy Wyclef is. Ooh, so, um, I think, I think I have to go with Clef. I'll be the Clef of the wine game. That's fine <laughs> with me. Every time I make a run, girl, you turn around and cry. I love it. I'll take that one. I love day. it. Yo. <laughs> Wyclef the Carnival. Yes. That that is one of the I mean, that's top ten best hip hop albums Let's of all go. time. I yep. mean that album is insane. Insane. Mm -hmm. And Wyclef is so multi talented. I remember yep. when he first came out, it was like the Fuji's was doing backflips on stage and shit. This dude brought a tiger out. Mm. He brought a tiger out on stage. Wyclef <laughs> his hands out. People give Buster Rhymes a lot of credit as a performer, Wyclef. Mm. You know, performer, producer, absolutely. So, 
do you feel like it's just more so like representing that Haitian pride? What what is it that, yeah. that brings you to Watt Club? I mean, I just think we do things a little different. Uh, you know, Caribbean vibes, but also Haitian vibes. Um, my family is always with me wherever I go, and I think about my, you know, my people when I'm out there hustling and fighting for you know space and fighting for things that I believe in. I've been very fortunate to have opportunities where I had support to go out there and be me. And I can't think of who I am without thinking about my heritage, my family, that, you know, those those dance hall parties in, in my <laughs> uncle's basement, you know, like the hottest party in Chicago was in some dude's house, his house, you know? <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, I can't speak on the wine back then because I was a little youngin, but um, man, I know they were getting crunk down there. Yeah. I can only imagine what it would be like if I was of age and curating the you know the cocktail and the wine hustle down there but the music is really what sets it off for me uh compa creole just like just there's like love and i just can't help but smile when i think about that vibe and the energy and so when i think of hip-hop and i think about my kind of childhood i think about you know junior high for me and the fujis um you know that was huge and then of course Wyclef leaning into the heritage with the carnival and showing his production value showing his creativity you know someone who could pick up a guitar and play acoustic and like captivate you nobody was doing that like now right? people it's a nobody was doing that yeah. at that time yep yep yeah. so I, I think um professionally I don't want to limit myself to just being the wine guy but also just being like mm. you know the psalm there's so many other facets we were just talking about, like what a sommelier can be and do for a community, for culture, for uh, even just for professional standpoint. So um, I like the Wyclef John because I don't ever know what he's up to. You know, he's running for president <laughs> at the same time. Like, you know, he's out here building cars. Like, right, right. And I love his his passion for cars. Right. I didn't know about that either. And, right. uh, you oh, know, yeah, I'm yeah. in the cars, too. too. He's, he's motorcycling, yeah, you know, yeah. and in Miami. So, like, yeah. I mean, it's all it's my, you know, I'm the into it. Fits. Okay. I'm into it. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. The wide cleft genre of the of the of the wide game. Right? I love it. Man. Right. I love it. Yeah. And that that makes a lot of sense. But like. So we were going through all of the the different roles, you know, that mm -hmm. that you that you sit in. Like, so communications director at Folio. Uh, um, no, no. So yeah, I got a lot going on. So um, I'm the private client director. Ah, at Folio. excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah. My bad. My bad. No, I got I got three titles. Four oh, titles. Shit. You name it. I, see, I'm I'm thinking. I, see, I'm looking at a few. Okay, let's. Yeah. Let's 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 jump it. Let's let's start yeah. back and and correct me because again, no, this man is playing. <laughs> he playing for I real. Got, I got a lot of different so, business cards. So how, <laughs> it depends wait, on which meeting. Let we're me in. give you my wife card. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, yeah. So so let me give you the All rundown. Right, so break down. Yes. The breakdown. How yes. you running this wine? So um, Folio Fine Wine Partners, importer to family-owned properties uh, around the world. Um, also owned by the Discours family, which owns Charles Heitzig, Rare Champagne, Piper Heitzig, and a few other amazing properties around the world. Um, so I'm private client director. Um, on top of that, um, I love creating community. And so last year I was appointed to the board of directors for the Ferrari Club of America. And uh, they created a position for me so that I could do me and be me, but at the same time galvanize the community of Ferrari owners around the country. Uh, specifically in the Midwest region, um, but we travel, you know. Um, so those are those are like you know those are two little things, and then uh, you you can't forget about my hometown, like my family's restaurant Oceanique. Um, 
am I still the wine director? I mean, I get the, I get the text messages late night from my pops being like, hey, should I buy this? So, you know, um, I always want to put in the work for the family and give respect back to them. That's where it all started for me back in Evanston, Oceanique. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's my jam. So I got a lot of hats, but at the end of the right. day, man, like it's, um, it's all about bringing it all together at the same time. Right. So how, how did you get into wine? Was it through your, your dad being in a restaurant? Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in the restaurant business. Um, my stepfather, who I call my pops, uh, opened Oceanique in 1989 and my mother met him shortly after my biological father passed and she ended up joining uh, his business and bought into the business and they run this restaurant. So I grew up going to this restaurant after school. I was what you call a restaurant brat. Right. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I, doing your homework and shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I had to ask for a ride home from school, yeah. but it wasn't to my house. The it was regulars to, know you. It was to the restaurant, you know. Um, so I would post up in my mom's office and I would, you know, bust out a floppy disk game, whatnot. Here we go. Um, <laughs> at the same time, you know, that was, that was home. So I got a chance to meet the the team and I mean I hate to call it a team it's more like family you know the the cooks and the chefs in the kitchen in the front of the house like I was that kid that hey they needed someone to sweep the floor is like who's gonna do it you know it was me uh, I also saw it as an opportunity to go out there and hustle and and see and and, and what, what it was like to be part of the family business so many instances throughout my uh, childhood I was uh, I was I was working <laughs> at the restaurant um, you know but at the same time I was learning that was the most important thing learning and then um, you know, I went to school and I realized that uh, school was not really for me. I went there for, um, uh, I was there on a, a sports scholarship slash uh, was there to, you know, get it. I loved numbers. So I was an econ major, but what school um, were you doing? Uh, volleyball. Oh, yeah. So I went and played D1 volleyball. Get the fuck. Yo, <laughs> you college. never know. You learn so much doing this show. man. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that was a, that was a wild experience. But what it brought me back home to is. You know, not only did I need a job, but I had this glaring opportunity to kind of, you know, support the family. Obviously, they were going to hire me, no question. But I saw this whole other layer to my life that I had no idea about, which was wine and hospitality. And I fell in love with being able to welcome people to our home. And then I also fell in love with the fact that there's a language of wine that you can connect with someone that you've never met before in a matter of seconds by understanding what they're looking for and being able to give them the right options of what they want and have that experience for that night. So that's really the impetus. That's where it all began with me. Yeah. So our restaurant's called Oceanique and my Instagram is Neeksam. So <laughs> Neeksam. That's where it came from. It's, it's really you. simple. You know, it's got nothing you, crazy. Got you, got you. <laughs> Straightforward. Now, so. What was it about wine specifically that called you, that made you feel like this is something that I can wrap my head around? Because yeah. a lot of times, like, the language can put people off. You know, it's yeah. it's tough to grab those nuanced flavors. Like, what was it about wine that said, yo, I fucks with this? Well, as we drink something special right now. Um, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. You know, the first thing that... And that'll get you into it. <laughs> yo, that's what it was. It was my first taste of something that I was like, holy shit. And um, the first holy shit wine for me was champagne. And I was like, you are, yo, when I see you, I think champagne. <laughs> yeah. Like, You've been Mr. Sh- yo, let me tell y'all something, man. I told y'all how long me and this brother go back. You've been that guy yeah. since the moment I met you. Man. Yeah. Yeah, that was, you know, I, I had great teachers. That's <laughs> you know? all I just say. I give props to my pops, my, my mom, and the community that they had around me. Uh, you know, teaching me the ways, but also kind of 
let me do my thing and let me explore. I think that's really the privilege that I was fortunate to have at the time because I didn't know what I wanted to do. But, you know, I would be at home after work or maybe it was a night off that I had and I'm at home, you know, and just contemplating. <laughs> and I open a bottle of vintage champagne and I'm like, yo, why is this, why is this so different than everything else? Yeah. And, you know, then it was like after service, my pops would taste with distributors and wineries and importers that were coming through to represent and present their wines to him. And at the time he was the buyer and the chef. So it was only natural for him to do the tastings after service because he had to finish up and then taste. And so I got an opportunity to sit down and taste with him at a lot of these after service, you know, while I'm busting tables, uh, washing dishes, like that. The thing after is, you know, you have a, a shift drink. Well, the greatest thing is to try 40 different wines <laughs> with your pops and talk about them or your shift drink. It was the cheapest thing I had, right? Yeah. It, was cheaper than, it was cheaper than a Heineken <laughs> at that time. Um, right. But at the same time, I realized that like, yo, there was this vibe, there was this energy that he was trying to build something with the wine program and really kind of curate an experience for the guests. And I love that level of detail that him as a chef, as a restaurateur believed in so much that he was willing to invest every single penny that he had extra mm -hmm. into the wine cellar. That's Rather than cool. like going on vacation with moms, he saw the you know, vision. he was like, no, we need to, we need to create something for our guests and it will come back to us tenfold. Mm. And so I really, I really love that concept of not only the, you know, the economic side of the business, but also like the love of like, I believe in the best possible experience for my guests. And that's what hospitality is. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yo, when people like really understand and believe in hospitality, you get a whole different thing, man. Like. Um, I always say I'm. I never considered myself a sign. I, I didn't because I've never worked in restaurants. You know, now I do events, things like that. But I've never considered myself a sommelier because I'm like, yo, sommelier's got the biggest hearts. Like, you gotta be able to see someone having a fucking amazing time and be okay with not being at that table. I'm a hater. Yeah. I'm a hater. I yeah. want to be at yeah. the table. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I mean, I mean, I, I always like, look, where it's all about putting the guests first, you know. Yeah. And I knew that by being able to do that, it gave me joy and pride of saying, "Yo, we gave you an experience that you would never get anywhere else in Chicago, let alone in the country." You're gonna tell your friends. You're gonna come back, and then we're good. Yeah. Like that's gonna come back tenfold. And that was my pop's whole thing. He was like, "Don't worry about marketing. Don't worry about advertising." Let's worry about the guests that's in their door and take care of them for the two, three hours that we have so that they come back next week. Mm. So they tell their friends about it. Right. And so we see these customers who are first-time customers now become lifelong customers. The restaurant last month just celebrated 34 years. 34 years in fine dining, fam. Wow. I mean, it's crazy. And that's yeah. really a testament to him. I mean, and then also the, the, the team that he's built around him and the family that we have at the restaurant. So, you know, that's, that's amazing. And that's what I grew up with. Yeah. So I bring that with me to every single moment that I'm around. So, yes, I like being on the other side of the table. Um, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I'm so proud of the experiences I've been able to have, you know, in my in my current role in the professional roles that I've been in. But I never forget what it's like to serve someone. And as a matter of fact, like I really do enjoy it. So when I get an opportunity to host clients right. or put on something for clients like that, for me, is like I, it, it brings me joy to be able to to, to give that love back. Right, that hospitality. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's dope, man. Yeah. So I we, we you brought some fire here. Today you picked the wines, I picked the rhymes. Mm -hmm. And I saw that this was coming out and I was just like, damn man, 
I yes. was I was extremely excited. Um, can you tell the audience at home a little bit about yeah. our choice here? So um, I knew we had a lot to talk about today, so yes. I brought a Magnum. So this is, uh, you know, the equivalent of two bottles in one. Um, <laughs> uh, it's the right size for two people when one person's not drinking. But uh, we're going to make an exception today. The both of us are going to sip along. Yes. This, is, <laughs> this is a winery that we own. This is called Rare Champagne. And Rare Champagne only makes vintage champagne. So that means that every grape in this bottle is from the same year. This happens to be from the vintage 1998. As a matter of fact, the only way to get the 98 vintage of Rare is out of Magnum. The only Magnums were made. So I like that. I like that vibe. I like that energy. But the most amazing thing is we just got the last 150 Magnums from the seller that were recently discoursed. So there's no more wow. at, the, at the winery. This is the very last tranche. So um, recently discoursed in 2021, had some time to settle. But you're talking about a wine that started in 98 and was finished just recently. So we're really proud to be able to re-release uh, the 98 Magnum of rare champagne in the U.S. Amazing, amazing. On that, yes, we, we got a toast with yes, this, sir. man, because I gotta say, I'm I'm very excited. To, yes, sir. I'm very excited about this pairing. Um, mm -hmm. So you pick the wines, I pick the rhymes. My um, the song I went with was "Can't Nobody" by Lil Wayne, mm -hmm. a produced by Swiss Beats. Um, it's been a Ferrari guy, by the way. Uh, uh, also a Ferrari guy. Yes, sir. I'm not saying that ain't why I picked it, but it's why I picked it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, nah, man. When I think of it, first of all, I haven't been blown away by a song in a little while. I enjoy being blown away by songs. I'd say prior to that, the last time I was blown away by a song was um was uh Benny the Butcher featuring J. Cole, Uncle Uncle um Uncle Something's Cab, I forget about it. Whatever. The joint with J. Cole and Benny the Butcher. I was blown away by that. And this Lil Wayne and it was the lyrics, it was J. Cole's verse that blew me away. The beat was cool, it was very, you know, chill. But um this Lil Wayne song blew me away, man. And I'm a Lil Wayne fan. I am okay. a fan. I'm not a Lil Wayne fanatic. Like, he's definitely had some missteps musically, in my opinion. But shit, man. Even Jordan missed layups. You know what I'm saying? Um, rare, but it happens. Uh, but um, this song, Can't Nobody, produced by Swiss Beats, it says featuring DMX. So it kind of like grabbed me because mm -hmm. it said mm -hmm. featuring DMX. Mm -hmm. But really, it was just some old vocals from him. And I like the fact that they just used, on this song, it has DMX's ad libs that, yeah, mm -hmm. like. It's in the beat, and um, they use the old quote from him in the beginning. And DMX, the reason that this song is so special is DMX. His quotes are just so fucking deep. Mm. People think about DMX's energy; they don't think about him as a bar spitter, like a rapper. Mm -hmm. He was mm -hmm. an amazing wordsmith. He said this shit. He said, um, "To live is to suffer, but success is finding purpose in that suffering." Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. DMX, bro. Yeah. Like, that guy is on some deep shit. So, I thought about the fact that DMX owned 1998. Mm. 1998 mm. was DMX. Okay. So, boom, he bought something. The vintage was 98. However, it was disgorged yep. recently. Yep. yep. Right? It's a new disgorgement. That new... It, ha it still has that new right on the end of it. Right at the last moment. Boom. You getting that new, so that's that Lil Wayne, you know. 
that's and if you listen swiss beats he used a sample he reused a sample it wasn't him using the sample originally but this song it was synonymous with locks this niggas done started something he used the same sample that they used in that but that beat like that is perfect production for a hip-hop track that song we listened to a little earlier but um when i think about the structure of that track and how well it's produced how well it's put together this is this is i mean yeah. give me another wine pairing yeah you know what i'm saying so no, i feel you we're gonna go with the um <laughs> can't nobody featuring dmx the song will play um but yeah man I, I but yes um this has been a long time coming I'm, I'm hyped to have you here it's interesting to hear uh your background and how you came into this role as a sommelier but you ain't just no sommelier you're not just you, you ain't no som per se right let's first i want to talk about the style okay if you're gonna talk about Philippe Andre, you gotta break down the style. My man came up in here with an ascot and a smoker's jacket, you know? And that's been that's been who you've been for such a long time. You've always carried an air of luxury with you. Where does this style come from? And not everybody can yeah. pull off the shit you rock. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I get a lot of the, oh, I couldn't pull that off. Yeah. You you rock some shit I couldn't pull off, man. Like, how do you... Where did this style come from? Yo, I, I mean, you know, my Caribbean vibes. I love color. We like to peacock. Uh, you know, uh, I love to to be me. And I feel like as I've, you know, matured, and as my professional career has also matured, I've leaned into more of who I am. Mm. Um, I'm less wearing suits because I'm not on the floor anymore. You know, Um and so instead of a suit, I still feel like I got to wear my armor from time to time. <laughs> you know, if I'm going to battle every day, you got to put on your armor, right. you know, just as if you're going to, you know, play, play with your team and represent, you got to wear your colors, right? So for me, um, fashion has always been a way f to express myself, but also to, to kind of break down some barriers. And I think, you know, I've always seen a way to connect with someone else and start a conversation someone saying wow i really love this or you know what's this what is this piece you know where, where'd you get this and how'd you find it so i mean i love that because i i think of it as art it's living art you know i'm wearing someone's like design and the same time i'm wearing it in the way that i see it um and i think without a certain level of confidence that's none of this fact. shit works no nah, that's a fact you, you gotta I think that's, you gotta that's the thing about like, peacocking it's, <laughs> it's like that's the confident motherfucker in the room right there like that's what you know so d it's funny i was talking to my son about this uh my son he i'm embarrassed the shit out of him he don't listen mm. to the podcast so he don't know my son's 16 he's he now starting to holler at me about talking to girls and stuff so i'm like i'm trying to put him on i'm giving him the steps the the actual steps there, you ever read this book the game no so it's a really good book it's about this guy he's a pickup artist and you know he's just his whole thing is just him and his friends constantly running around bagging girls and for me the book really helped me in sales but i think for anybody starting out dating and that's a little afraid to talk to girls it's a great thing but he talked about the importance of peacocking 
Okay. And I realized it was something I did without even thinking about it. It was just like, okay. Like, he basically broke down the science of being an ill person. Uh-huh. And um, I was like, shit, I do this all the time. You know, dude, not many people going to pull up with a tailor-made all-red suit. You know, it says yep. something about yep. the person. Yep. Um, but I, for me, I felt like that has always changed my, uh, it changed who I am in a room. You know, you know how it's like, it's not easy being the only person of color in some Correct. of these rooms. Yep. So to come in and just, you know, have that confidence is definitely a thing. Do you feel like your style has uh, affected your career at all? Um, for sure. I mean, I, I, again, I think that <clears throat> I, I mentioned armor too, because I feel like in any room I go into, it could be a battle right. and you know being a person of color in this industry as you know like you never know what you're walking into um i had an instance where i was invited to a charity gala by ferrari as a ferrari client like literally like ferrari <laughs> invited me as a client and i'm at this charity gala and i mean i'm dressed wearing my gear and everything and this this older woman comes up to me she goes oh my god i love your outfit can we take a picture together and I'm like, oh, absolutely. Like, you know, this is someone's grandma. Yeah. Like, I'm amazing. So we take the picture, and immediately after she takes the picture, she goes, so are you working or are you crashing the party? Mm. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And, <laughs> and actually, I invited a client with me to come. And he overheard this shit, and he was like, are you for real? Like, I can't believe this shit just happened. Like, here you are in the most, like, vulnerable place. Where like I'm a guest, I'm not expecting to have to go to war at all. Oh yeah. And this chick just comes out at me with these daggers. Mm. And I'm like, man, like you came up to me and you stabbed me in the side of my back. Mm -hmm. Like, so I need to make sure I have my armor on at all times because of that shit. Like, why should I have to deal with that? Right? But for me, fashion is a way to invite conversation. And if I can have a conversation with someone like that and maybe change her mindset about someone like me. Hopefully Yo. that shit never happens ever again 100%, to anyone else. hundred percent. Right? So as much as I have to deal with that bullshit, I know that many of us have to deal with far greater other layers of bullshit. So if I can break it down one time at a time, uh, hopefully, you know, that, that situation will never happen ever again. That's yeah. what I got to believe in. That's a, and I've never heard anyone else have that perspective. That's a, I talk about that a lot. I talk about that a lot and how it's so funny, man. Yeah, same shit. Like the same thing, the same exact situation that you describe happens to yep. me a lot. Yep. And I talk, I've spoken about how I felt like it's my responsibility to represent well for us because yep. of shit like that. Yep. Like yep. you get these questions like, okay, yep. now mm -hmm. next time you see a lit person like me, you're yeah. going to think twice yes. and realize like, oh, but yeah. that that's what it's about. I, lo I love to hear I'm that, like, man. what would Barack say in this moment? Like, mm. you know, at the same time, I want to strangle the shit out of this yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> no, nah, I'm, I'm like, here as a no, guest. You need some that. champagne for my yeah. suite? Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, um, but but so I, I respect the responsibility, but at the same time, like, you know, we're, we're out here changing the game. For sure. And I got to believe that we're pushing in boundaries that have never been pushed in before and I'm proud of that at the same time like I'm willing to I'm willing to push for further so that more of us can continue that work and I got to believe that I'm pushing I know that other folks are out there pushing too but man it's hard it is <laughs> hard. it is it is it's, <laughs> it's hard to keep your head held high yeah. and keep doing yeah. the thing yeah. but like yeah man that that's real but I mean 
people don't just walk into these Ferrari events. They don't. You don't just. You don't just stagger in. Yeah. So yeah. how did this yeah. affinity for cars begin? So um, my biological father um, was passionate about like everything engineering, speed, technical. Like he was all into it. So he was a motorcycle guy. He had a badass RX-7, um, so he was a driver. He loved, you know, uh, fighter pilot planes. I mean, like, this is what is in my DNA. Right. And uh, there was a couple opportunities before he passed that he actually took me to the racetrack. And I remember seeing pictures of being there, and I don't really remember it much because I was very young. You know, I'm three, four years old at the time. But there's pictures of me, like, sitting on the motorcycle that he had, like, as a baby, you know? That's crazy. And so it's so fascinating because, like, here I am now in this place where, like, I'm doing the shit that I know that we would have done together my whole life. And I'm wondering, like, why I'm so passionate about motorsport. And it's like, well, of course, you look at these pictures and, like, yeah. I had no idea. So that shit just goes into your there. blood. Like, you just don't it's even there. realize it. Like, so um, that's really where it started. And I think for me, like... Growing up without him, you know, there was things that I saw had influences. And of course, the most influential car brand or racing team is Ferrari. Right. And so you see a red sports car, you know, and you're like, is that a Ferrari? And you're like, instantly you see that car looks so different than any other car. And you may not know how to understand why it's different, but once you get inside and you hear it and you feel it and you smell it and you touch it, just like wine. Some people will say, well, I like Clos Saint-Jacques, even though it's not a Grand Cru, because there's nothing else like Clos Saint-Jacques. Right. For me, there's nothing else like a Ferrari V12 engine. There's, there, it's crazy to say it out loud, but like, once you hear it, once you smell it, once you feel it, there is literally nothing else on this planet. You, you get shook in your heart. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, just sound like a plane There's stuff, nothing though. like it. So, you know, call me a, a, an addict um, or a believer or a follower of Marinello, whatever you want to call it, but I'm sold. Mm. And it's kind of one of those things that it's like, it's more than just, uh, uh, you know, uh, a special, a passion project. Like, I'm pushing myself into boundaries that no one else has ever explored. And at the same time, like, it just feels so right. Because yeah. it's me. It's yeah. not, I'm not trying to, like, be something different. Like, it's me. Like, I'm leaning into it because this was, like, this was my, my dream. Right. And it was my father's dream. You know, like, he, he came to this country with his two brothers and sisters back, uh, back in the early 60s. And, you know, didn't speak English. Came from Haiti uh, in December. Didn't have coats or anything and they were coming to meet my grandmother (laughs) and yeah they learned real hard but they all busted their ass in various ways and specifically kind of created a space and a way for them to progress and you know like this family got me to here so they got me to this point where i have a decision i have an opportunity now to make choices for myself and i think about my pops every time i turn on my car Mm. and i hear that engine start up my pops is sitting next to me in the car. That's why. Every single time. <laughs> like, I know it. And it's so funny because I remember telling my family when I bought my Ferrari, they were like, of course you did. Like, <laughs> that's your dad. Like, your dad was there with you. Like, your dad is there with you every time. And that's, for me, it's like a special connection that, you know, I can't even explain. Right. Other than, like, goosebumps and my hair stands and, like, 
it's like this is this was meant to be it's crazy to think that way. <laughs> nah yo it's it's dope I, I feel like you know we were talking a little bit about this earlier how being in this industry we have so many random opportunities we end up in all these different circles um was your connection to wine what brought you closer to uh working with ferrari directly like how did how did that connection yeah. come together yeah i mean it was really simple i i um we started a new division at folio geared towards private client sales and private client development and um you know, you just think about all the ways that you can connect with communities that are usually, you know, hard to hard to find or elusive, right? Illuminati's. How do you meet Illuminati's? Well, you got to go where the Illuminati's are. Yo, my man is breaking down how to link with the so, Illuminati. So get your pay, get your notes ready. Here's your TED talk on how to <laughs> how to justify buying a Ferrari in the wine game. So, you know, we needed to connect with these clients, these collectors, and I saw it as all right traditional places they go to are fine restaurants we know that but how often are you gonna run into someone at a restaurant and like get a chance to actually chop it up with them about wine and at a high level really slim maybe you host a wine dinner and they attend great the other place that i know of are country clubs country clubs are a haven for those folks you know it's a safe space it's a community that's elevated it's private it's exclusive um i don't know about you but i'm not getting it admitted to a country club they're not gonna let me join a country <laughs> club anytime soon um nor do my pain you for pull that. up dressed like this they might let you yo they're gonna find something wrong. <laughs> they go they're gonna find something wrong you know the deal yeah. so i knew that that was that was out um also i didn't like the fact that country clubs are static in terms of location like you you have to go to the same spot and you'd be basically spending your time and energy and money trying to go to this place to hopefully find somebody that you connect with I also didn't like the fact that country clubs are older. Yeah. You got an older clientele. Like, I don't want to meet someone that is at the end of their life cycle and has a crazy collection. I want to meet someone like us that's crazy, mm -hmm. that's passionate about living their life, you know, passionate about learning and wants someone to guide them on that journey. And so, you know, I just thought about what do I like to do? And I love motorsport. I love to watch races. Like, it's, it's, it's for me, it's like you get to come out and you get to meet people. So I basically said, all right, let me hustle this. Let me see what it what it looks like and i got a chance to meet um the second generation owner of the ferrari dealership right outside chicago on lake forest um uh, cassie mancuso and um she hosts a lot of these vip events and i got connected with her through a friend um at mccallan that does private client events and he was like yo you should meet cassie they're doing a lot of these vip dinners and i was like really because i'm i'm actually like i'm looking at a car over there I, like, I may buy a car right and he was like yo you need to call her right now <laughs> and so i get on the phone with her and we talked for like an hour and a half and she told me about the community that she's been building the community of ferrari ownership and more importantly the ways that we could work together to expand my my brand through their events and it'd be symbiotic and i was like yo yeah. wait so you're telling me that if i'm an owner not only are you gonna buy my wine for these events but and, and invite me but like you're gonna highlight me and celebrate me in the community i was like holy shit so like this basically is a, a, a private club like this is a country club 100 percent. and then i learned that the club is national because there's multiple chapters all across the country so for me i was like okay so i'm i'm basically buying a car that comes with a membership card <laughs> that i can go with me wherever i go 
That's dope. And so um, for me, it was like, okay, this is extremely radical. So it's actually cheaper to buy a Ferrari. Cheaper to buy a Ferrari <laughs> than to join the golf club. Save us some money, you know. What I mean? Yo, seriously. And um, so for me, it was it was a natural risk, uh, but also I saw the the experience and the excitement of like just the, like the once in a lifetime opportunity to buy right. and own a Ferrari and what that'd be like. And I told my wife, I was like, so, yo, if we lose some money on this, hey, we paid for the experience and we learned. Yo, my car is worth like 30% more than what I actually bought it for. So like, thankfully that happened pre-pandemic right. and all this went down. So like, we're way up on the car right now, yeah. which is great. <laughs> um, so not only am I teaching you how to you know connect with an audience, I'm teaching you how to invest into something that will appreciate and value. And that's the thing, it's like, you gotta, so I was talking with someone earlier about this, well, a few weeks ago. You gotta pick what kind of investor you are. Mm -hmm. Like people don't, people think like, oh, just invest and invest your money in the market. I, well, you gotta be okay with getting your money later on the back end. Nope. You know, invest nope. in real estate. All right, well, just know there's some shit that comes with it. You know, nothing is extremely straightforward. I also seen like this year, like watches, I know last year. Yep. Watches were yep. like number one of the number one appreciating investments. So I like that we're in a space now where people are diversifying the way that they think about investing. And it's, you know, just for, for some people there, you know, just to give y'all some little tips. Uh, it's important to invest in what fits your lifestyle. For sure. I mean, I, I think about I feel more comfortable investing money in brands and companies that I believe in. And that I feel like, yo, this is a safe bet because, yeah, the product is real. Like, investing in Apple and seeing the, f I use the phone every day. Like, yeah, it's not going to go crazy. Yeah. But, like, it doesn't feel like it's going to collapse. Exactly. And I believe that it's going to continue to grow. You know, you could say the same for a company like Tesla. That's a, that's, that's a, that's a, a knee-jerk reaction, <laughs> right, right? right? But when you look at Ferrari stock right now and you see what they're doing with their portfolio of cars and how they're doing their sales tactics, how they are developing a fashion line how they're developing their brand yeah. at a younger market, younger demographic. I mean, if you look at Ferrari stock, it's it's race, R-A-C-E. It's the dopest, you know, <laughs> dopest uh, stock uh, ticker. Um, you look at the last three months, I mean, it's nuts. And if you go back six months, I mean, you just see that it was a very stable brand, but they, they posted their earnings in Feb. Mm. And then everything took off from there. So, like, I know Ferrari collectors that they leverage their ownership of a Ferrari by buying Ferrari stock on top of it. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're like, yo, the car is amazing. I'm going to love this car. I'm going to flip it and make some money after a couple of years. But I'm also going to ride the wave of the business growing right, too. Right. So Ferrari's in a unique spot right now. So it's it's a wild, a wild place to be in. But at the same time, to your point, like I wouldn't know all these things unless I took the jump and plunged into it and saw it. And I mean, my wife sees it too. Like, it just, it makes sense now because it's right in front of us, it's tangible, right. you know? Um, whereas, you know, I could buy some medical stock and say, yeah, I believe that they're gonna save some babies and that's gonna be important, we need to invest in that. But, yo, I'm actually seeing this brand evolve in real time. Oh, it's incredible. Absolutely, no, that, that, that is dope, man. And <laughs> it's just crazy to, to make that connection through wine. Like, so tell me a little bit about your role with Folio. Yep. And like how you're able to input your creativity. I mean, it's similar in this in this situation, you know, I was um, in one area. But how do you utilize this creativity on, in your day to day role? 
Yeah, so I um, we should take a step back, I guess, to my first role with the um, the, the parent company, which is EPI, which owns Charles Heitzig, Piper Heitzig, Rare, and Biani Santi. Um, so I started in 2018. I moved out here from Chicago to take over Charles Heitzig. Uh, I was the U.S. ambassador, um, but in many ways, like I had to be the eyes and ears of the winery and and the business here in the U.S. as I was the only employee representing uh, the winery here. And at the time, our importer was Folio, and so I had a relationship with Folio, and I saw how they managed and how they worked. Um, and I also saw how like you know we had a historic brand that's very tiny here in the US. And I'll never forget my first meeting with our winery director, uh, the head honcho, uh, Stephen LaRue. He was out here for some meetings and uh, I came and met him for a coffee one morning, like right before I started. I was like, Stephen, like, tell me how you want me to represent Charles in the US. And he was like, no, Philippe, like, you understand, like, you're the guy, you tell us. <laughs> you tell us how to represent Charles in the US. So I love the ability to like, have the, the creative control from the very beginning and the trust from leadership and ownership. And you know, after the first like six months of just trying to like try things and figure it out, I realized that like, I need to just continue to lean into my gut, lean into like what I believe the brand could be in terms of connecting with the community and building community. Cause the wine was fire. Like I knew I had hot fire. I didn't right. have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. I just need to galvanize the community, but more importantly, be different. Like I don't need to be uh, the same as my competitors because we're so small like it's not even relevant i just need to be different and i'm really good at being different <laughs> so uh fast forward to a couple years ago our owner christopher Descores uh decided to to buy into folio our import company to really re to, to reaffirm the opportunity and the long-term investment that he wants to make in the u.s market for our brands and so now that we are a partner and the majority shareholder of folio my team and I moved over to Folio uh, two years ago now. And so we're integrating into the team and really kind of bringing our views and our, our experiences from being kind of like, you know, assets on the ground for the winery. At the same time, like, you know, Folio is an incredible, incredible company. A lot of history with, with Michael Mandavi and the brands Next. that Folio imports. And I like, I just really want to give everyone else some swagger because <laughs> like yo these wines that we have in our book are hot fire and it's not just the champagnes so if i can inspire our team to feel confident when they walk in the door to present our brands and to meet with our supplier partners like then that's that's what i want to be i almost want to be like the cheerleader right, right? i want right. to be i want to be the the coach being like yo you got this you got this fam <laughs> go up there uh, go up to bat and go hit one Go get on base, you know? Just right. get on base. You don't need to hit a home run, get on base. You know, right, and then the right, mantra right, becomes right, right. you hit a home run. See, you got, I told you. You got you, a whole team here. You're batting around, <laughs> yo. We batting around. We batting the cycle. But um, so for me, in my role, specifically working with private clients, you know, I don't get a whole lot of opportunity to work with the rest of the team of Folio, which is kind of a bummer. But at the same time, I know that we're all pushing in the same direction. So when I do an event with collectors at, you know, the top Michelin star restaurant in any market, I know that that's going to influence the SOM at that place, the GM at that place, the owner at the place, the chef at the place. And so that helps our sales team come in and create the connections that are, that are real partnerships for our brands and for our business. And, and then again, building that community. So like, if I can have someone walk into a restaurant and say, oh, I know rare champagne, 
And then our sales team was like, whoa, this restaurant just ordered, you know, three more cases of rare. Like, mm -hmm. how did that happen? It's like, yo, that's that's what we do. Yeah, exactly. That's what we do. We, we re energy around. Correct. It. So um, for me, it's uh, it's it's twofold. You know, like I really want to show that like you can push in various directions and lean into your passions and success and opportunities will come from that. But more importantly, the community that you can build can be so much stronger when it's more authentic and more yours. Mm. We trying to run them numbers up, y'all. You want to help grow the brand? Subscribe to the YouTube right now. Be the first to check out new episodes of Taste and Notes from the Streets, our fire visual and event series where we pair our favorite foods from the hood with different wines from around the world. I mean, if you only listening to the podcast, you're only getting half the fun. So subscribe to the podcast and subscribe to our YouTube. One. You know, it's funny hearing your story and hearing... Uh, you going through even your role right here it kind of brings me back to a big thing that i'd like that i'm trying to highlight within the wine industry is you people think that to get in this game you have to be a psalm or a winemaker they mm -hmm. think that those mm -hmm. are the only two things because yeah. that's what the lay person sees yeah but there is so many more spokes to it and i feel like if you were just a psalm you wouldn't be as good at your job. There's mm -hmm. there's a mm -hmm. lot more that goes into it. There's a certain amount of creativity. There's um, identifying opportunities and capitalizing on them. But not just identifying the opportunities and capitalizing, being able to execute what's required to capitalize on the opportunities yep. is a skill. So in that space, um, can you tell me a little bit about some of the skills that you look for and your team members to help to create um to because you can't do all of the thinking right <laughs> like so what is it that you look for in your team members to so that you can grow and develop them to be in the place that you are and when you move forward yeah i mean the first thing for me is about people and the relationships that they bring you know like we um we think about adding someone to the team or, or or someone that like i can't i look forward to working with on a team is like walking into a door and seeing them like connect with the client or the customer or whoever it is and they have a very strong bond and a connection that clearly they put a lot of time and they've invested into mm. for me that's the most important thing right. because to your point we can all sit in the classroom we can take tests we can learn about the wines but for me it's all about who you know and and how you how you walk into the door and the respect that you have the moment you walk in the door um that's something you have to earn mm. no book will teach you that no 100%. no wine will will outscore that it's a matter of do you keep your people close to you and do they want to be close to you and that for me is more important i want to work with people that are able to connect with others and have the respect of their clients and their customers at the same time like have a have a, a unique way to 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 connect with them yeah that's that's a skill set that is really really hard to to uh to, to teach on paper yeah and it's funny because you're right there's there's not a rule book to it you got to be able to go into a room and make that connection um yeah. it's 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 sometimes like an inborn thing sometimes like there are people that just gravitate to it and uh and, and some that don't now let's say i'm 
I'm young Philippe Andre listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. and I want to figure out how to get into the game. How do I do this? What advice do you give him? I mean, for real, I think it's um, find an opportunity to get around people talking about wine in some type of facet. And usually that's at a restaurant or a wine bar or a retail store um, or at a winery, you know. Um, There's many different ways to get around it, but um, at the end of the day, the language of wine is not an easy one, but at the same time, it's the language of people that, again, I think is the most valuable thing. Like, when I was working on the floor as a Psalm, I was meeting, you know, 60 to 70 new people a day. And it doesn't seem like a lot, but it adds up over 10 years. You think about how many people you meet and the whole many different like styles, the way people want to be taken care of and, and how you can connect with them in that short instance of time. Again, like the most valuable thing is if I can meet someone in a matter of 30 seconds, they trust me and they let me take them on a journey. Right. You know, again, like everyone has a different budget. I'm not saying I need to take you first class right. on that journey. But I need to be able to take you. I need you to let me take you there. We can get on Frontier. Yeah. Like, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's you know, right. we all get there at the same time. As they say, exactly. like, the plane arrives you at the same eventually. time. Whether you're in first class or if you're in the economy. It doesn't jump, matter. You could jump on an easy but, jet through but, Europe. But, yo, you got to let me take you there. That's the whole important right. thing. So, um, that's, that's really it. It's breaking down that barrier of trust and earning it and then maintaining it that's that's the hardest thing yeah. so you have to do that by working with people you can't just you can't just take a class and say okay i know how to do this like you have you to it. you have to fail you got you gotta yo, fail a lot yo, of times i just man. took the words out of you my gotta mouth. fail <laughs> just took the words out of my mouth yo you know again i'm bringing you back to the shit that i'm telling my son when he hollering at girls i'm like yo look you just got to get a whole bunch of L's until you don't give a fuck anymore. Yes, yes. And that's when you're going yeah. to be a GOAT. That's when you're going to do the, the thing, man. The unfuckwithable confidence. <laughs> exactly. I like, mean, literally, you put on you put on that track um, by Kid Cudi. Oh, I love unfuckwittable. that song. Unfuckwittable. I mean, it's like... Yeah. Yeah, nah, that was my that was my treadmill song right dude, there. Dude. Nah, that's that shit. That is that shit. Um, yeah. You know what? I got to say, if I would pair a track with you, I would go with that song. I would go. <laughs> yo, the album cover on that shit was amazing. There yeah. was so much dope yeah. shit about that. Yeah. Oh, man. And look, I respect that um, you constantly bring some different shit into the game. You find a way to make people look at champagne differently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You fucked my head up one day. Okay. Absolutely fucked my head up one day. We was chilling. It was this rooftop. I don't remember what, where it was. I know. That was my crib. That was my spot. Yeah. That was the crib. Yo. That was my spot. Yeah. Let me tell you something, I had the man. smallest apartment in all of Manhattan, but I had the dopest rooftop. Like, <laughs> everyone was like, yo, though. yo, Philippe's throwing these parties on the roof. Like, what's going on? Whose roof is that? I was like, yo, you guys have no idea how small my apartment is, but I don't care. It's actually in the Lower East Side, it's in Alphabet. Mm-hmm. Like people are like, "Yo, you're living in Alphabet." I'm like, "Yeah, dude. I don't care. I don't care where I am. I'm from Chicago. I just need the roof." This rooftop and is the roof amazing. party was lit. Yeah, man. Yo, so you completely changed my mind on, uh, I'll say pairings. Okay. Because we paired cigars and champagne. Yes, sir. And I know you was always a cigar dude. Like that was like your jam you know I, I was a cigar dude at one point as well i used to drink a lot of cigar and cognac it started mm-hmm. fucking with my stomach mm-hmm. um but uh 
you completely changed the way I look. I've never thought, <laughs> but it makes complete sense. That yep. like toastiness that yep. you taste in champagne yep. and what you get from cigars, it was an amazing pairing, man. So you still fucking with cigars? Like what's man. the play? Yo, I have my travel collection <laughs> at all times. Man. I, never, <laughs> I never I never uh miss an opportunity to pair a cigar with some champagne. And um cigars was special to me because um actually started kind of diving into it with when i was at the restaurant and i fell in love with like the romanticism of serving a cigar for yeah, someone yeah. like i don't know if you've ever seen this but like cigar hospitality that actually used to be part of the sommelier test the quartermaster psalms mm. obviously now you, there's no smoking anywhere in this country so you can't really standardize that but i remember watching this video i found this video on youtube where in cuba they would teach you to become a cigar sommelier and they showed proper cigar service for a couple at a fine dining restaurant and i was like what in the hell is this <laughs> like again i'm trying to think of how can i elevate the experience for my guests mm. whether at my restaurant or a private event any type of moment that i'm in i gotta have that in my toolbox and i'll never forget seeing the sommelier come over and present a few selections not a huge box he just brought different selections and walked them through the different selections and then he decided you know they what they were having he recommended a few things for each of them they both were having different dishes and they both were drinking different things and i said yo this is another level of love like the hospitality was love and for me i was like i, I need to have this in my repertoire but it really was like after service i would have a cocktail or a glass of wine and I would have a cigar after service at the restaurant. It was always like, we were closed on Sundays, so Saturday night we could smoke. That was the only time we could smoke <laughs> in the restaurant because, you know, sat Sunday it chills out and then Monday it's cleared up by then. But we can't smoke at the, at the restaurant any other night because you just, you can't have it uh, smoky the next day. So Saturday night, end of the service, I would have a cigar. And, I, and you know what? I'm going to drink champagne because I love champagne. And I started realizing, I was like, yo, this is refreshing. <laughs> Like it's a nice palate cleanse. This is an aromatic thing, you know. It's it's a conversation starter. My dad smokes cigars, but he smokes really small cigarellos, and, and you know, really nice, elegant stuff. But I'm not a. I don't like anything short. I'm a long, yeah, yeah. experienced type of guy. I like big bottles because mm -hmm. you can't leave. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, like, like I like you're in the moment, for a minute. Yeah. right? Yeah. And so for me, I'm a big guy. I like a big cigar. And what does a big cigar do? Well, it creates a moment for you to chill the fuck out and reflect. And so after service, I would have a cigar and reflect on how service went and think about ways that we could be improved for the next week. You know, where do we need to go? Where, how can we get better? What do we need to celebrate what we did right? You know, and so the cigar was kind of like the victory dance every single week. But then I needed to figure out like, well, why is cigar so cool? Why is it so good? Why is the flavor taste this way? Of course, right. this is my curiosity right, diving right. in. And so I started off smoking you know, Dominican cigars, um, specifically from Davidoff. And if you guys don't know Davidoff, I think it's like, Davidoff's like the BMW of cigars. Mm. Like, they're always on point. Quality is always extremely high no matter what. Not the Ferrari cigar? But, but they're, ex they're expensive. <laughs> they're expensive. Okay. Um, so for me, like, Davidoff's and cigars that are not from Cuba remind me of, like, Napa and, and, and Bordeaux. Mm. But cigars from Cuba, I learned is like burgundy and champagne because it's very site specific it's mm -hmm. all about terroir and it's all about the intricate like the who rolled it when they rolled it Damn. where it's from uh you know how it was aged and yes we are aging cigars now 
Are there any legendary like cigar rollers? Yes, yes there oh, are. Oh shit. Yes there are. <laughs> Yo, it's Crazy. it's like you think about wineries and winemakers like it is so synonymous. Cigars go through fermentation. Tobacco right. goes through seven fermentations before it's even rolled. I did not know. Like, that. I had no idea about this either. And I'm sitting here like, yo, I work with wines that go through multiple fermentations yeah. before we sell it. <laughs> like, this right. is so crazy. But, right. you know, you break it down. I encourage everyone to check out a cigar in Champagne because, for one, I'm always working. I, I am never off the clock. And so for me to be able to sit down and have a cigar and have some rum or some, some, some cognac, it's almost impossible because then I'm not able to work. I'm not functioning after that. Right. But, but <laughs> right. you give me a nice cigar yeah. and a bottle of champagne and I'm still on it. Yeah. I'm on it, like for sure. So for me, I feel like it's a very, um, you know, responsible way to right. enjoy. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I'm still focused. I can still stay focused. Yeah. That's dope. Nah, yo, that that tasting absolutely changed my perspective yeah. on champagne and cigars. I didn't know they paired. Yeah. So you know, I told you I, I fell back up the cigar smoke, and I do smoke quite a bit of marijuana. Uh, yes. <laughs> but um, it goes well with that too, man. That's the whole thing. And like, yep. I, <laughs> my man, yep. my man, Simi, yo, this dude, this dude be killing me over here. But nah, it's true. It, it is true, yo. But I didn't think I, so. So I would love, I would love to pair champagnes and marijuana with you. Yo, you know what the like, pairing is? Because, because I'm not really a marijuana guy personally. Because again, I like to be very much in right, control. Right. I'm a control freak. <laughs> but I love aromatics and I love the pleasure. And my pops is a marijuana guy. Ah, so <laughs> you know he's a creative. He's a we, chef. We can bring pops to the taste. So like, you know? <laughs> you know, for him to see both sides, I think that would be amazing. Yeah. But ultimately, I've always been so curious about. How can we connect with an audience that's curious about learning how to elevate their experience? And nobody else wants to elevate their experience <laughs> like your marijuana lovers. You but know? you know so what? I, hey. I'll say this. Here's the thing about weed and wine pairings. They're awesome. However, they're short-lived. Yes, yes. You are going to get you, fucked up. You got a 10-minute like window. Smoke, it, 10 minutes. 30 minutes tops. Is that? <laughs> yeah. Know? And I'm a lightweight, so... You know, I usually do like that edible. Yeah. And what well, I get, I get, I get, I get anxious and I get kind of oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, let me do another one. <laughs> and the next thing you know, <laughs> bad news. Man, that shit is going to hit you. Like I got a, like the bear like hug Like a two-time vibe. world champ, boy. Yeah. I got like the lady blanket on me and I'm just like, man, I think, I think I'm good. Yo. And it's and yeah, so that's that's kind of me. I'm yeah, nah, man. Them edibles, <laughs> edibles will fuck you up, man. That's yeah. the thing. No, um, but here's the thing. So, I like pairing. I feel like weed with a like aged champagne would be mm-hmm. great. It needs that uh-huh. age on it though, mm-hmm. and uh, it needs to be mellow and chill. Yeah, it can't be too sharp. You know, yeah, it can be like that yep. little that dank. You know that that what you. With your take that age that you taste, it mm-hmm. goes well with mm-hmm. with bud. And mm-hmm. I love white burgundy, but white yep. burgundy, marijuana, and I don't think I man, bet I bet old riesling would be fire. Oh, that shit would I bet it would be fire. Yeah, man, white burg, some bud, and truffle pizza. Okay, that okay. is an amazing evening for me. Like, okay. you know, now I'm up in age. I, on Friday nights, I don't go out no more. Yeah, you know, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm just in the crib eating truffle pizza, smoking bud, drinking white burgundy. <laughs> I mean, you know, you paint you paint a picture that it's just so funny because like 
this is the shit like in college or you're, you're hanging at your boy's place and you're like, man, we order a pizza, we're playing Madden and we're drinking some shitty beer. And it's like, now we're like, now we're ordering truffle pizza, yeah. drinking champagne, <laughs> playing Madden, yeah. smoking marijuana. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nothing has changed. <laughs> not, not much we have changed. just, we've just gotten to the next level. Exa- exactly, yo. It's really like. We're boss level The now. goal, exactly. The boss level of the shit we did as kids. Yeah, we got to fight him now. <laughs> Double you know? dragon. Yes. Um, yes. So, like, you, got, you could go anywhere, man. You're one of those people you could do anything. Where, where are you headed? Like, what is the what is the goal for you? What is that? Where you at at sixty five years old, seventy years old? What does that look like? Man, I mean, honestly, I've I've over the last couple of years, I've met some really inspiring entrepreneurs, uh, people that are out here living and enjoying their lives in various facets. And I mean, as I mentioned, like motorsport is huge for me. I, every time I go to the racetrack, I'm inspired to find another way to hustle to get back to the racetrack. <laughs> and I'm not even talking about me driving. I'm just like actually being at the track. Yeah. The sounds, the smells, the energy. Like there's just something out. There's something like it that that I just can't. I can't really uh, find it anywhere else. Like you go to a pro sporting match, you know, or a game, and you're like, okay, it's dope to be here. Like I went and saw the Heat play the other day, and that was dope. But it's just not. I don't know. It's just not the same kind of energy that I normally. I look for in the racetrack so for me it's um i would love to be a part of a racing team in some type of facet um whether as a sponsor which is probably more realistic <laughs> or as someone who's you know involved in in some of the production um or as a driver i, mean, I don't know i don't know yeah. what's possible in my uh in my you, 60s you, get, you you race a little bit you i get... mean you know i i'd like to say that i'm a little um uh a little fearless a little less fearless than some others but at you the same do time, any street racing? Um, no, I do not do any street <laughs> racing. Um, in, in no, I don't. I don't do any street racing. It's as um, because you never know what they have under that hood. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not no. going up for slips. I ain't going no. front. No so way. Growing up, right? Growing up, I, I saw Ja Rule got it bad. I'm not doing. I'm not being Ja Rule. No, 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 sir. Growing up, so my first car was a um, BMW 525, mm-hmm. right? 25 hours. Was it stick? Uh, no. Okay. No. I can't drop stick shift. Still okay. can't. We're going to work on that. But please, help me out. <laughs> and um, me and my boys, like, my boys, like, you know, I grew up in the BX. A lot of cats used to ride Civics and shit like that. So I was mm-hmm. like an ill dude had to be my But I'm not a, I'm not a speed driver. Yeah. But when I, when I hit that, so every once in a while, man, I, you know, we get on the highway, I go wild on them and, you know, it's, it's a fun thing, but I can't. I just I'm not built like that, yeah. man. I'm yeah. not, man. Would you Would you ever run that race? Um, so one of the amazing uh, positions that I get to be in for the Ferrari Club is I manage and run all of the routes for the drives for the mm. club in the central region. So um, I try to explain this to people who don't understand what I do. I'm like the DJ for the routes. <laughs> like literally, I sit in the lab. And I build the routes <laughs> Yo, on satellite hilarious. imagery. Yo, and then I go hilarious. drive them to make sure that they're clear <laughs> and that there's no, you know, construction or anything like that. Like that is the best, the most pleasurable drive. Yes. And so like scenery, when the beat like drops, that. that's that moment when you're like, okay, it's clear, it's safe. 
and we about to turn put, that. We about oh, to turn the volume that's up. That's crazy. And mind you, we usually do this at like six o'clock in the morning when nobody's even up yet. Yeah. Um, but um, the next level is to you know call the local authorities and say, hey, we're coming through. Please don't arrest us. <laughs> um, uh, you know, we ask for your blessing. We're going to be respectful. Um, so, you know, have have I, have I gone over the speed limit? Yes. Um, have, uh, you know, has it been a little hairy at sometimes? Yes, but I've learned how to manage my car and I've learned how to understand and trust kind of what it can do, um, which I think everyone should take some type of racing or driving class or course yeah. if you want to, you know, really enjoy the, the extent of your car. And that's what, you know, Ferrari does an amazing program of teaching people how to handle and, and drive and manage a car because, most people think it's all about speed when it's really all about braking. Mm. Um, understanding when to brake, how hard to brake, and then how to manage you know, the traction of the car is the most important thing. Everyone can press the gas. It's a matter of how do you get through the turn and carry that speed and then go through it. So that's, that's on a racetrack. But on, you know, on the back roads, I love to find something that's enjoyable for people to stretch their wings a little bit, mm -hmm. but you know, safe. Like that's the number one thing is being right. safe. Um, and I have a crew that I drive with almost every weekend in Chicago, and we have walkie-talkies. It's kind of like a, a biker gang, I guess yeah. you could say, but we're, we're all driving Ferrari Ferraris. Gang, son, <laughs> yo, this Ferrari gang, gang, man. Like, this and, is the uh, most playing shit interview <laughs> or wine and hip-hop ever. My man right. said we roll through by, you know, 20, 30 deep in Ferraris. Yo. Ugly shit, man. Yo, this is ugly. I mean, here I am, you know, this kid from Evanston, <laughs> And I'm leading like 70 Ferraris on the back roads from Chicago up to Wisconsin. Yo, and I'm like, yo. That's that shit. Like, you being friends, I was like, yo, what yeah. the fuck is happening? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, my first time actually out, I didn't know what to expect. And I just assumed that everyone was going to be driving really slow because they're really old. Yeah. Right? And I never forget, I had my boy Andre with me. We call him The Voice, um, specifically because of this one event. So here I am, I show up to this rally, this, this drive, and it's from, you know, the suburbs of Chicago up north to Lake Geneva. It's about uh, 120 miles. So like, I'm sitting here like, oh, that's, you know, that's like, you know, an hour and a half drive. It's less than 120 miles, an hour and a half drive. So I show up with a half tank. Well, I didn't realize that these dudes were gonna be hitting the shit out of it. And so when you are driving a V12 engine, it is just spitting gas out the back of the car. <laughs> so I didn't realize that. So here I am halfway through the drive on E and I'm like, yo, I didn't realize that we needed to show up with gas, but it, I don't have time to stop for gas because I forgot to get the directions of the route. So me and my boy, we're like, we're the only two brothers in the middle of nowhere here in Wisconsin. If our car runs out of gas, I got no cell service. We don't know where they're going. You know, this is going to be rough. Thankfully, there was a group that I was kind of following that stopped for gas. And I was like, why are they stopping for gas? It's a bunch of old dudes with really big and large prostates that had to go to the bathroom. They had to pee. So here I am like, okay, great. I need to get gas. And they're all running to go pee. And I'm pumping gas and they come out. They're like, hey, you, you in the wagon. We're going back to the front of the line. I'm like, what? Mind you, we pulled over and like 60 Ferraris have already passed us. And I don't have the direction, so I gotta follow these guys. These motherfuckers race their way back to the front of the line. So here we are in the back roads of Wisconsin, passing Ferraris at 100 something miles an hour. Oh my God. That I'm like, 
I'm like, yo, this is actually happening. And my boy is recording and he's screaming his living head off. <laughs> and so that's where he got the name The Voice. Right. Because on the video, he's screaming. And when I shared the video with everybody, they're like, yo, who is the voice on this video? And it's my boy Andre. So shout out to my boy Andre. Um, the voice. You know, uh, one of a kind. One of a kind. But oh, um, we, we try to have some fun. But at the same time, like you show up and I remember I, I remember I got to the to the, the final place. And these dudes ran out of their cars. They ran towards me. And I was like, oh, shit, we're in trouble. Like, what's going on here? We got in trouble. And instead, they're like, yo, we've never seen anyone, like, drive this car like this. That's so amazing. Like, you got to come drive with us another time. So then I was like, yo, I was in the crew from then on. Yo, that's um, so dope. So now I got I, any, like, you know, gear, like Ferrari gear? I mean, not a whole lot. It's, yo, they don't give us nothing. We have to buy everything. So... <laughs> Just gonna be really clear Yo, here. Yo, I would you know? totally. The first thing, <laughs> I'm gonna buy a Ferrari tracksuit before I buy a Ferrari. You know what right? I'm saying? Right. It's so funny because we go Wishful out. thinking. We go out to dinner. We go out here, and it's like I, I rep the colors, and I'm sure everybody's like, "Who is this guy? This Ferrari, bro? Like, what's you know?" And they're all like, "Little do they know, like I, I'm actually a Ferrari owner. Like they probably just think I'm just rocking Pumas. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, yo, I like Puma." Um, so it's it's taken a whole nother meaning for me. I never rocked Ferrari gear until I was a Ferrari owner. Like it just felt like yeah. it felt like it I'd felt be, perpetrated. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't nah. feel right. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. it feels yeah. real right. Now it feels like yes, <laughs> I need this. Yes. Yo, yes. I'm telling you, man, I'm copping a Ferrari just because I want the tracksuit. Let's man. go. Ferrari tracksuit is hard as fuck. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Now, I did a um a BMW driving course once mm -hmm. that I've done that. I didn't know they do that with Ferrari. Well, yep. I've never attempted to purchase a Ferrari yet. So, yet. Keyword yet. Yep. Well, I'm probably, I'm, I think I'm going to buy a vintage one, though. Like, I so, like let me tell you real one. quick on the vintage ones. You will never be able to drive it with us. Uh, because those cars, as much as they were amazing at the time, they don't have the brakes or the power or the transmission to hang with us. So, mm. um, as a matter of fact, most of the vintage cars that come out with us, we always they always come they always start last. Right. So they're at the back, and that's fine. The legacy know? guy. Yeah, they get to they get to come out and enjoy it. And, and there's some guys that push their cars hard. Yeah. Like I'm impressed by it. But um, you know what? The, my I'm car not... has my car has a warranty, fam. <laughs> <laughs> and like, let me tell you something: when you're pushing these cars hard, you want a warranty because if something goes wrong. You don't want to have to pay for I'm it. I'm just like, yo, dude, changing a tire on a Rari gotta be a, you know what I'm saying? That's like yeah. a $5,000 mission. Fuck around. You know, I, I, I'm very familiar with how to change a tire on a Ferrari <laughs> um, and what it, what it takes. Um, but the amazing thing is, when you buy a newer Ferrari, maintenance is included for seven years. So for seven years, you don't pay oil change, any of the work that needs to be done on that car. It's, it's included and it's unlimited miles. Wow. Body so, work too or? No, no. That's okay. ma maintenance. Not okay, you, okay, you, yeah. you, you fucked it. up. <laughs> not you, you fucked you up. You tip a curve. Yeah. You fucked. Insurance <laughs> is not included, but maintenance is. So um, you just got to remember that like, yes, you're running hard. There's going to be some things you got to pay for. Tires is obviously one of them. But um, for me, I just, I felt the security of knowing that I can push this car to its limit. And if something goes wrong, they've got my back you know right, with right. the warranties um and as a matter of fact last year i got a new transmission and i got a new uh four-wheel drive system installed in my car because they didn't like the way it was the software was 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 giving them some red flags they didn't like it so to be preventative they replaced them 
Shit. Um, and I saw the invoice on that job. <laughs> Man. <laughs> um, if I'd had to pay out of pocket, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd be homeless. Let's, let's <laughs> smoke like, I'd be homeless right now. Because cause wifey would have been like, no. Car has to go. Car has to go. It's you or um, the car. Yeah. So it's me or the car. And, and I, I'd have been sleeping. Now I'm living in the car. I'm sleeping in the car. <laughs> um, so, again, like, you know, you look at your angle, look at the, the hustle. Uh, I thoroughly researched a lot of, like, how to protect myself financially by owning and running this car. For me, it just it made a whole lot of sense. Right, right. You know? Um, it seemed it's cheaper to own a Ferrari than to buy a new Porsche and have to pay all the bullshit mm. from time to time. Like, that's so, what I saw it as. <laughs> so know? they, I know, they coming out with the Ferrari truck. Yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. How you feel about that? See, if I, I'm going to do the Rari, I think that's what I would Man. do. I'd do the truck. <sighs> it's beautiful, y'all. Yeah? Beautiful. Um, so I got to go and preview it. Um, a few weeks ago, actually, and I fit in it, which is <laughs> which is the first test. Whenever you go look at a Ferrari, um, for me, the first step is can I fit in the car? And thankfully, uh, I fit in that one. Right. And uh, it has all the boxes checked for me in terms of a practical daily use car. Uh, the four doors is radical. It's brand new. I mean, this is the first time Ferrari's ever done a four door car. Um, and at the same time, like they're giving you the best of the best. You get the V12, you get the dual clutch transmission, and four wheel drive they system. They have like a four door um, so, uh, station wagon kind of joint. That, that was a one off that was made for the Sultan of Brunei. And he paid like eight million per car, and he had to pre order like eight of them in order to convince him to do it. So that was, that was a one off for him. I'm gonna tell you a funny story. About- <laughs> and then somebody else. I think got a couple on the side. I'm gonna tell you a but, funny story about yeah. one of them, but I yeah. can't say it on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Ferrari's never done a production for mm-hmm. Um That's the that's the big difference here. And um, what I love about it is, while some people are gonna hate it because it's not pure, it's not you know, it is a Ferrari for yeah. sure. Secondly, I've been very fortunate with my ownership to drive my car every day. Most people drive their Ferraris when the weather is great. Right. You know, I'm fortunate to be in a place where I can drive my car every day. It is four wheel drive and I live in Chicago. I put winter tires on it in the, in the wow, winter. Wow, you rocking that in Chicago. So I drive it year round. Damn. So I think about a lot of the guys that I drive with and like, I know a lot of them are like missing their cars yeah. in the winter, you know, <laughs> or there's a day where it's like, I gotta run here, I gotta run there. I need an extra seat or I need a trunk. Right, there are right, some Ferraris right, right. that have no trunk space. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it may be a thousand horsepower, but if you can't put anything more than you know a fanny pack, then yeah. that's not. What are you gonna do with it's that? Not practical. So yeah. for me, this is the most amazing opportunity for someone to have a Ferrari ownership experience at the same time have it every single day. Like that. That for me is like, oh my god, you guys have no idea what's about to go down. Is this car will unlock this level of of excellence? every single time that you go to the post office or every single time that you go to Best Buy or whatever oh, yeah. you're when going When you to. pull up anywhere, a yeah. valet, oh, dear God. Yeah. You pull up. I remember when my man, my, one of my homeboys had the Bentley and yep. we yep. would, um, I remember he first, he always had dope cars, but this dude, he, he was talking, he was like, yo, I'm going to get the Bentley. I'm telling you, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get the Bentley. Didn't say shit to me. He came to pick me up from work. 
Yep. That white thing. I was like, oh shit. So now we get in and it's just people look at you at red lights. It's like a it's a whole different it's a different way to live almost that um when you when you rock in a whip like that. I mean we went to a um this this spot, Corner Social in Harlem. My my Harlemites know where that is. It was at Corner Social. I walk in the spot, it's a Friday night, it's real busy. I'm like, yeah, what's the wait time like? They like, uh, like an hour or something like that. I'm like, damn, me and my homeboy, you know, we just got got a little parking spot. We just trying to run in and get something real quick. She looked at the vet. Yeah. She, Let me see what I can do yeah. for you real quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What is what has life been like? <laughs> what <laughs> we gonna yeah, go, we gonna get in some hood shit real quick. What has life been like as a Ferrari owner? Like rolling um, around. How, e- expensive. <laughs> Um, yo, the Ferrari tax is real. Every time you guys valet a car, man, they first of all, they can't wait to drive my car. Mm. And they can't wait to leave it up front. But they can't wait to add on an extra $20, 30 40 $50 oh, shit. to leave your car up front. So, um, but you know what? Like, I, real talk, I used to run valet at my family's restaurant. Right, like, right, I, right. I, see it I, as, I see it as I'm giving back. Mm-hmm. Because when I had a nice car that came through the restaurant... I got to experience it. I got to smell it. And yeah, I'm just parking it literally down the street in the lot. Yeah. Or I chose to leave it up front. But I just had to kind of, I feel like I have to pay it forward. So I always valet my car. I have no problem with yeah. driving. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm definitely worried. But I definitely think it's important for people to have the experience of saying, I drove, a, I can't wait. I drove a Ferrari. <laughs> like, everyone should be able to say that at some point, right? Um, but uh, no, I mean, it's again, like we were talking about fashion. And the Ferrari is just another extension of my armor. Like you think of a knight, right? The knight has his shining armor and he's got his horse. And the horse has armor on it too. And you know, you, you you pull up and people see that and they say, I need to meet this motherfucker. Like, yeah. what is going on? Yeah, what is yeah. this? Who is this? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was hosting I was hosting some events in Florida this year. And I remember pulling up to some restaurants for some dinners that I was a guest at and meeting with potential clients. And, you know, they're coming out and they're like, these are, these are multi, multi millionaires, you know, like they got three, four homes and, you know, they're kicking it and they're popping crazy bottles and they're coming outside and they're like going home in a Honda CRV and, <laughs> and the valet comes wait, with, like so excited to see together. Me. and they're like, is that your car? I'm like, yeah, it is. They're like, I've never seen a, I've never seen a car like that. And they're like, I'm like. You gotta, you gotta sit in it. Like you know, for me, it's an extension of myself, right. of what I, what I'm, what I love, but also like I hope it invites conversation, um, in terms of like inspiring others. Like, I've heard so many people like, yo, like I had no idea that you know Ferrari was this cool and like what it's like to be an owner and like I. I I probably inspired some people to buy Ferraris. You inspired me over I'm the last at, couple of years. I'm looking at the truck like, right now. Like, we had to put a call in, man. So I mean, next like, year though, next year, not this year. Yo, it's 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 amazing to see people like connect again through that. It's another talking point, but also it's it's something about me that's really special that I love to share with others. Um, there's been so amazing times where I'm like parking my car, I'm like getting out, I'm going to a meeting, and like you see a kid whose eyes just like light up and they're like, oh my God, look, it's a Ferrari. And then the most amazing thing is to be like, you want to turn it on? 
And they're like, they're like, what? Like, I can't believe it. Like, like the other day I was getting gas and I parked and I was like, you know, filling up. And there was a, there was a father with a, uh, two kids, a boy and a girl. And he was telling me, he was like, dude, my son is fanatical about Ferraris. He's seven years old and he knows everything about your car. And I was like, well, he's got to turn it on then. And he was like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, you've got, you've got to come in the car. So I invited both him and, and the, the, the girl to get in the car and you know see it smell it touch it and to turn it on and you know i just know that like their minds were blown yeah, yeah right that's dope um i love that nah I love that, that. that that is fire man i as well look man I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and get the truck when <laughs> okay when, when time and finances yes. permit yes <laughs> we definitely need to talk about finances for oh, sure man. what's what's next up for you man i know you got the the piper high champagne garden uh coming up like what what should people be looking out for with you? Yeah, so you know, leaning into motorsport, um, really proud that we are the uh, the official champagne partner of the Miami GP F1 racetrack this year again. So we'll be posting up and producing a champagne garden uh, again this year. So uh, right in luxury row, right before turn eight. If you guys are coming to the track, come by and see us. Um, it's about to be lit, just like it was last year. Um, can't wait to hear the engines, hear the energy, see the excitement and pop bottles, um, and really share about who we are. You know, like we're a small team and to see what we can accomplish with an opportunity, like being able to be part of F1 experience, it's, it's a dream come true. So, um, that's coming up at Cinco de Mayo in Miami. Uh, so May 5th, it's a Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, we pop bottles down there. So very excited to see that. And, um, and, and to be a part of it. Dope. Yeah, I might have to pull up on you out there, man. <laughs> that, that sound like getting Piper Heitzig is my jam. Yes, so, yes. Oh, uh, man. Yo, Philippe, man. Thank you so, so much for finally jumping in, getting this interview done. I'm glad we got it done in NY in the city. Yes. And um, look, man, congratulations on all the success. I'm glad to know you. And I'm happy to see another brother in here crushing this game. Oh, man. Thank doing you. what we do. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Wine and hip-hop, y'all. This was a moment in wine and hip-hop brought to you by Crew Love. <laughs>